Are you wondering how you can learn more about food? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Chakula Podcast, brought to you by the Root to Food Initiative, a show that celebrates authentic Kenyan dishes and serves you hot conversations about food in Kenya from an economic, social, and political lens. Semanasi kwenye social media, at Root to Food on Instagram, at Root to Food on Twitter, and Root to Food on Facebook. And now, here's your host, Felistas Mwalia. Hello there, I'm your host Felistas Mwalia, or you can call me Feli. I hope Mkofiti and you're keeping safe. Karibuni sana to the maiden episode of the Chakula podcast. To start us off, let's talk about food. Chakula, to shelter and clothing. Yes, the basic needs. But think about it. How much thought do you give to the type of house you will live in, whether rental or your own so much, right? From the furnishing to the tasteful finishing and the safety. How about the dress or the pair of shoes? A lot of thoughts. Now think about food. Do you just eat to live or live to eat? Ama both. Food. Isn't it the one thing we really have to give much thought about? From how it is produced, handled, and how it gets to your plate. Today, I'm having a chat with three cool human beings who live, think, and work to make sure that safe food is available in Kenya. They are all part of the Root to Food Initiative, which is an alliance of over 600 individuals working to achieve food security and right food for all. In studio, I have Evelyn Ogutu, who is also an Alliance member and the brand and media coordinator. She works closely with media. Thank you, Feli. Emmanuel is in charge of policy and research. He's also our doctorate. We also call him Atamba. Karibu sana, Emmanuel. Thank you, Feli. And finally, we have Leila Libitrao. Did I say it right? Yes, Madam Boss. She's been part of the initiative since the inception. Karibu sana, Leila. Thank you, Feli. Let's jump right in. While some of us are privileged to decide what to eat, have a balanced diet, others don't even have the accessibility to get safe or organic food and sleep with their bellies full. Unfortunately, this is not the case for more than 10 million Kenyans. The numbers are increasing on a daily basis rather than reducing, especially with the coronavirus. And yet food security is a right protected by our constitution. Moreover, it is actually one of the big four agenda. Eve, as you start us off, why is this the case and where are we going wrong as a country? Thank you so much, Feli. You've talked about the constitution and you've spoken about the Big Four agenda. Yeah. And you can also add even the SDGs. But um, where we are going wrong, it's how we framed the issues around food insecurity. Mm-hmm. Come to think about it, around 10 million people who go to bed with no food. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. 10 million people, not just one, two, three, but 10 million people. That is a huge number. Yeah. And these are our sons and daughters of this country who have ached a living. They've tried it all to ensure that they have something to eat, but because of the policies that the government has put in place are not helping them to achieve at least earn a living to help them get something to eat. What do you mean by the policies? Or you can even give us examples of the policies you're talking about. So when I talk about the policies, look at it from the the budgetary allocation to agriculture. Mm -hmm. Year in, year out, we've witnessed a dwindling in the budgetary allocation to agriculture. 
For example, this year we had around, I think, um, 1.2 or, or is it 2.1 billion that was allocated to agriculture. And almost 60% or almost 70% of it, it goes into recurrent. Recurrent, what I mean, it's mm -hmm. paying salaries, uh, buying that tea in the office, newspapers. It's not actually providing developmental issues that can uplift agriculture and in end help the small scale farmers be able to achieve food security at the at the basic level yeah. so we find out that there are so many kenyans who are going to to be denied food today tomorrow and maybe next year and maybe 10 years to come because we've refused to put up policies that will solve this problem Another um, issue that I would like to mention where we are going wrong as a country mm -hmm. is over reliance on um, large scale um, industrial large scale farming or industrial farming as you you like to put it, which in essence has made us forget how if all our support, if all our um, efforts as a government is going towards large scale farming yeah. or industrial farming, mm -hmm. where we are pushing people to use more pesticides, we are pushing people, people here, I mean farmers, yeah. to use more pesticides. The administration officers should be educating these farmers on ways and means that they can uh, have more food at their household level by maybe inculcating those values that we were taught when we were young. Remember the issues about having more food, planting more a variety of food in your in your garden, uh, having that small kitchen garden where you can have your tereres, managus, saga, and you don't need to over rely on them. This big promise that um, the big companies are promising us that if we use more fertilizers, yeah. if we use more pesticides, then we are going to get a lot of food. Yeah. But I think at the end of it, what we will get, it could be chronic anger, chronic illnesses, which we've seen. I'm not a scientist, but I believe what you eat is what you are or it's what you become. To go back to your questions, where do we go wrong? Besides the um, policies that we've put in place, we've also failed to maybe educate uh, Kenyans that we don't need to abandon our way of doing things. The same way that my grandmother, my mother back uh, in Kericho would have her small farm there where she plants her vegetables. And every day in the evening, she'll know I'll go back to my small kitchen garden and get some few saga or managu or terere or whatever and provide for my children or my grandchildren. But now we want to educate them and tell them that it's cool to import things from outside and eat them instead of using the available resources that we have. So we, we need to have a reality check ourselves and see that how do those small scale farmers, you and I, we have a small acre of land, we have one acre, two acres, 0.5 acres. How do we utilize this small land that you are able to provide all the basic food that we require for each other? So to me, um, I'm saddened that uh, 57 years after this country became independent, we are still talking about chronic anger. It, it really pains me. Thank you so much. If you've talked about uh, abandoning our old cultures, maybe you can explain to us what do these misperceptions mean for hunger in Kenya? They mean that we've been lied to. We've been told that um, if we use too much fertilizers, we will get more food. 
if we use more pesticides, maybe in our own way of um, cultivating, we'll have more produce. But in the real sense, mm -hmm. and science has, has proved this, I'm not a, a scientist, but I, I've read that um, whatever that we are doing to our soils, whatever that we are doing to our environment, whatever that we are doing to our bodies, it's actually doing the reverse. We are not getting more food, or even if we are getting more food from, um, let's say, the large-scale farmers, that food is not properly uh, distributed to, uh, for example, a person who needs that food in Trukana. But how do we empower that person in Trukana so that he or she can use the locally available resources to produce the food that he or she needs? How do we help them? So uh, for me, I feel uh, we shouldn't be talking about um, food insecurity in the 21st century since we already have the knowledge we already know what are the issues for the 57 years we already know what has been ailing this country and how we can solve the issues that um, has been affecting us all through asante sada eve imagine how grumpy you can get when you are hungry or when you miss that lunch and yet under article 43 1c of the kenyan constitution every person has a right to be free from hunger and have adequate food of acceptable quality. Leila, in a layman's language, kindly brief how Akawaida Mwana Inchi can be able to assess the right to food. Hey, Feli. So thanks for having me on uh, the first episode of the Chakula podcast. So I want to talk a little bit about the right to food today. So how people can access it, but also a little bit about the government's role. Mm -hmm. um, so I would want to start by saying that governments around the world and governments in Kenya, like you have uh, spoken about, have um, have made sure that the right to food is reflected in their laws and policies. And Kenya, like you said, has the right to food is protected by the Kenyan constitution. Yes. Um, and it links a little bit back to what Evelyn was saying earlier on about what kind of policies Kenya has in place to protect food security and the right to food. And essentially, the right to food and food security are very similar concepts. So people sometimes think of them separately and they yeah, yeah. absolutely. And they get they can get confused. They think, yeah. oh, I don't understand what the right to food yeah. is, but I know what food security means. It actually used to happen to me a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, me too, before I started to try and think about this. Yeah. So basically the two the two ideas mean that you know, it means that food is available. Yeah. It means that you can access food so that it's affordable or it's like you can physically access it, like it's in your yeah. shop. Um, it also needs to mean that it's culturally appropriate and nutritious and that you have that food available and accessible to you over a long period of time. So there are pillars of food security and pillars of the right to food. So these they have these core pillars. And these pillars are actually very similar or the same. Yeah. The only real difference between the right to food and food security is, is that right to food is mm -hmm. a legal concept. So it's a human right, um, which means it's legally binding and it can be protected by law. Leila, maybe if I can interject, maybe yeah. you can shed more light to the listeners on the different pillars of the right to food and the different pillars of the of food security. Okay, so for the I mean, I, we, I don't think we need to go so much into yeah. the theory, but yeah. essentially it means that food is available. Mm -hmm. So available is one, means accessible, 
And accessible means we can both afford it yeah. and also you can physically actually get to the shop, okay, or to yeah. the market and get the food. And the third pillar would be, is it culturally appropriate and nutritious? So in, in theoretical terms, it's spoken about in terms of, is the food adequate? And then there's a fourth pillar, which talks about, do you have food like this over a long period of time? So it's, it's called, it's like sustainable, okay? Yeah. And the whole conversation around food security and the right to food food um, recently has gone beyond uh, people just going, oh, I've got enough food to survive the day. Interesting. So it's more like, is the food that we have adequate? So is it safe for us to eat? Is it nutritious? Is it doing good for our bodies? Is it, pre is it prepared in a clean and hygienic way? So we're no longer just talking about okay, just food to survive in yeah. terms of calorie counts, but we're talking about how adequate is that food? Is it culturally appropriate, safe, et cetera, like I've described. And the important thing is, is that governments and the government of Kenya, because it's protected by the constitution, have a responsibility to protect the right to food, to promote the right to food, and to fulfill the right to food. Yes. So to protect the right to food, it means that the governments must make sure that there are no third party actors, no other companies or organizations mm -hmm. doing things in the food system that might in some way compromise any of these pillars, remember, that I have just spoken about. So, for example, if you're a company and you are manufacturing and selling chemical pesticides, that in some way is an infringement of people's food security and ama, their right to food because it means that their food could be unsafe. Oh, yeah. Okay, for them to eat. Yeah. So that's the idea of protect. Then governments also have a, have a responsibility... Sorry, yeah. How about in terms of pricing? Yeah, that would come under the idea of governments having to promote the right to food. Uh, okay. So if you're going to promote the right to food, it means that you want to have laws and policies. Um, and Eve spoke earlier on about budget allocation. So you want to have policies that support people being able to um, have a job and have gainful employment so they can afford food. But also you want to have legislation that means that people can either grow their own food or engage in the food system. All right. So in like Nairobi, Nairobi County has, the, the, has an Urban Agriculture Act. Yeah. That is a way that the Nairobi County government is promoting the right to food because there's, it's a law that means that citizens of Nairobi County in urban areas or peri-urban areas can en engage in agriculture. And just the last thing is um, this idea of fulfilling the right yeah. to food. So fulfilling the right to food, there's something called in the right to food legal language, uh -huh. there is, it means there is a minimum core responsibility. So yeah. to fulfill the right to food means that if there is a major problem, like a major drought, or for some reason, some of your citizens cannot but even during this period right now, during Corona. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's exactly a perfect opportunity yeah. example. So like when the Ministry of Health was doing kitchen gardens and yeah. giving out food baskets, that is them fulfilling the right to food. It's a, it's an example of the ministry fulfilling the right to food because they're making sure that at least, at least some number of homes have a food basket that they can grow food from. But it's important, Philly, something I did want to say is that the right to food is not the right to be fed. It is the right to feed oneself in dignity. Yeah. And many people think that, oh, food security and the right to food is food aid, emergency yeah. food aid. But often that can be used as a political tool to gain votes, 
or that whole exchange can be manipulated. Yeah. But it's, so the most important thing is that we need to take progressive steps over time to make sure that people can afford to buy their own food or grow their own food. Progressive steps means that, like, for example, we know that more than 25%, more than 10 million Kenyans are experienced chronic food insecurity. Yeah. Um, like you said, we're not going to be able to fix that problem next month or the month after For that sure. or even next yeah. year. Yeah. But if we're going to take steps progressively, it means that we're going to show as a government that we are doing these things over time to improve the situation of people being able to be food secure. Yeah. Okay, that's the concept of progressive, all right? Wow, so many interesting facts from you, Leila. Maybe I got mad one more thing, Feli, because you actually asked me about, you know, how do how can people access yeah. their right to food? I think it's quite important that, you know, there's this idea of in the food conversation of voting with your fork. So it means that you as an individual, by where you choose to buy from and the questions you ask from your suppliers, that money you're spending on your food is you voting with your fork. Because whatever, yeah. Yeah, whatever you decide to buy, you're supporting a system behind that. So if you decide to buy from local suppliers, local small-scale farmers, farming without pesticides or in a safe way, it means you're supporting that value chain. That's, a, that's the concept of voting with your your yeah. fork. And I think another way, a thing that's really important is for people to start asking questions of their leaders um, so that knowing that it's important that there is a meaningful political commitment to food security programs and projects that respond to people's needs, the needs of Monanchi, not just these big agriculture projects, which um, like Evelyn mentioned earlier on, is chasing more for you know, increased GDP yeah. and revenue for the country, which doesn't always trickle down to, you know, you and me. Yeah. Thank so you so I much, Leila. As Leila has said, we need to vote with our folks. On to you, Emmanuel. From the problems that Evelyn and Leila have shared, kindly shed some light on the solutions that we need to think of as a country. As already has been pointed out, the problem is not really a problem of production, it's a problem of access. Yeah. And, um, you know, access is not only physical access, you know, you're also looking at economic access. Because increasingly, um, you know, more and more Kenyans are, you know, getting their food by buying it. Yeah. yeah. Because we are getting more people moving out of, you know, agricultural activities into more like service sector and things like this. So people tend to access their food, you know, by buying it. So when you're talking about access, that, that economic access is very important. And uh, when you're looking at what you're accessing, you know, you're asking yourself, you know, how was this food produced so that it can actually be accessible? Because how the food is produced has a big, a big link on accessibility. You know, what is used, you know, the kind of inputs that they are used in production. You know, how accessible are these inputs to the farmers who are using it? And that's why when, you know, when you're talking about the solution and our solution to this problem mm -hmm. is a more democratic, a more equitable, you know, um, food system approach. And um, this is what we're talking about, agroecology. And we are looking at giving power back to the people, giving yeah. power to communities, you know, giving power to producers. People are producing the food to control what they're putting into, into the production of crops, of, of livestock products. You've seen this happening a lot, you know, for example, with eggs, that farmers are producing eggs, they get to the market, they can sell the eggs, but they are not making any, they are not making yeah. even. And this is because of the model of production that, you know, 
and this industrial model of production increasingly you know is also increasing the cost of food so it's not only affecting productivity because again when you deal when you affect product when you reduce productivity you're increasing the cost of production so it's eating into our environment it's eating into the accessibility of that food how that food is affordable and then again the most important thing and i think Leila has pointed it out also about food safety the safety of that food, the quality of that food, even talked about the diversity of that food. The solution should address all these issues. The solution to food security is not about addressing quantities because we don't really have a big problem with the quantities. The solution is addressing holistically all the issues um, that are affecting the food that we eat. Evelyn and Leila have talked about policies. How about the solutions in terms of policies and also the budget? Yeah, so generally, first of all, uh, we have to appreciate, we have to appreciate that um, the current budget allocation towards uh, food security or towards agriculture is not commensurate to the problems that we have. Yeah. And the problems that we have, again, you know, we don't need more inputs, uh, we don't need more chemical fertilizers, we don't need more pesticides to produce our food. We need to now, we are thinking towards now, working towards more knowledge, more information access for producers so that they can know how they can produce their food, you know, working with nature rather than working against it. You know, when you're talking about agroecology, it's more about information and knowledge. Yeah. Interesting. And um, you know what happened with our extension, with our extension system. The idea is to be able to support communities yeah. to produce more efficiently and uh, to use an approach that is more friendly to our environment, an approach that produces better quality of food, more nutritious food, more diverse food. Is agroecology similar to organic farming? Yeah, there's a linkage. When you talk about organic farming, you're talking about not using chemical inputs in your production process yeah and um, agroecology the holistic approach of it is working with nature and when you're working with nature you know when you know about your biodiversity for example when you're talking about issues of pesticides yeah. instead of going towards chemicals you try and use hubs that are available to you today with for example crop diseases you know, you try and uh, build an environment, for example, for um, what we call predator insects, you know, that can be able to deal with the pests that you have. You balance, you know, you, you, you build, you mimic nature. That is the idea. That is the approach. But perhaps I can also just yeah. add to this. So organic farming is one part of the agroecology concept. So agroecology is not just the science of farming, but it's also social and political movement. So it's looking at your whole food system, not just the actual what's happening on farm, not just your food production, but it's how, you know, farm workers are fairly remunerated. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, it's about consumer awareness about where food is being, how, where and how they're buying their food and all of the, and, and these sort of things. Maybe it'd be a nice idea for you to do another, another episode on agroecology by itself, Feli. Oh yeah, thank you, Leila. Agroecology is an ambiguous term. For some of our listeners who really don't understand the whole concept about agroecology and all the principles that you guys have shared, give us an example of a country or of people who are practicing agroecology so we can check them out. I mean, it's not like, it's not something that is happening in a vacuum. It's not a new idea. Agroecology is actually one of the oldest sciences of food production and food systems organization. And as Leila said, you know, it's beyond what, it's beyond the production practices. And, uh, you know, when, when you're saying, when you're saying examples you know there are farmers in Kenya who are using agroecology as um, as you know as an approach to even the production activities um, you have seen now imagine you know farmers markets and things like this is yeah. the approach you know you are giving power to the people like you know you are trying to connect consumers directly 
with the people that are producing mm. their food you're trying to make that conversation happen yeah and this is the systems thinking that we need yeah we don't just need to be you know looking at one aspect of what an aspect of food systems and ignoring the other aspects and it's a simple concept don't uh, I, I i mean the term can be new but it doesn't mean that it's a it's a difficult concept for people to understand it simply means you know more power to the small actors in the food systems so power to the people power to the people power okay. to the people thank you so much for giving us so much information Emmanuel and it seems we've come to an end of our show I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has listened to the podcast all through till the end and also a big thank you to my guests Eve Emmanuel and Leila Santeni Sana for contributing to the conversation if you want to find out more about the Root to Food initiative check out our website www.rooftofood.org i put the link in the show notes below you can join us in championing for change by becoming a member of the root to food alliance we'll be coming to you every friday and you can subscribe to our soundcloud and itunes account to make sure you don't miss out on new episodes i'm your host philly and i'll catch you next time see you next week stay safe sanitize and wear your mask thank you <laughs> <laughs>